Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackerman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Joined as always by my co-host, Amber Hunter. Hi, Bruce. How are you doing today? Doing great. We got two champions of economic development in Ontario, Len Magyar and Sean Dyke today. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Always a pleasure. I know you're taking time out of your busy busy schedule, probably dining with prime ministers and premiers. So thank you for gracing us with your presence today. Yeah, we saw the Trudeau picks. We weren't sure if we would be able to, to, to nab you as a second time you know, guest after you were dining with, with the top. So we appreciate it. Yeah, we've had a good run lately. We've had uh, a number of good visitors come to town and uh, yeah, the, they actually came back twice. So it was, it's been exciting for our community for sure. Excellent. And before we kind of get into some of the really exciting news that uh, you'll be sharing with our listeners, Len, um, could you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, the region that you represent, um, and then we're going to kind of get into some of the major projects that you also have and some of the, you know, exciting things that come with it. Maybe some of the pitfalls, some of the extra work that comes after the win. So we're really excited to dive into all those talking points. All right. So uh, Len Magyar, Development Commissioner for the State of Woodstock. Uh, I've been in Woodstock for about 36 and a half years. So I think uh, technically the longest running EDO in the province of Ontario in the same community. Uh, started out as development officer and became commissioner about 18 years ago, just prior to Toyota uh, looking for the location for their seventh plant in North America. Um, ironically, I started uh, in Brantford uh, as a student there and was on contract the first time that Toyota started looking at Canada. Uh, and that's uh, Brantford was in the running for the plant at that time. And of course, uh, Toyota chose uh, to go to Cambridge. So my previous boss, when I came to Woodstock, he always said that Woodstock was number two on the list. Um, my boss in Brantford said, no, Brantford was number two on the list. But I tend to think that uh, Woodstock was number two on the list because when the next plant came around, uh, they chose Woodstock. So, yeah, I've been here for a long time. Uh, in terms of community, uh, we're geographically pretty gifted. We're right at the interchange of 401 and 403. Uh, we're a community now of uh, probably about over 50,000 people. Um, so not a huge community by any means, but definitely growing. We're certainly, uh, the last couple of censuses, we've been growing faster than the province and faster than the, uh, the country nationally. And, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, part of it is just, uh, uh, the price of, uh, housing and land in particular is pushing, uh, a lot of people, uh, out of Metro Toronto to consider other locations. So, uh, it's been a benefit for us because it's, uh, I know a lot of communities and a lot of companies are challenged with finding employees and it's pushing uh, more people our way. So it's, I won't say it's completely filling that need, but it's, it's certainly helping. So Sean, again, congrats on winning the Volkswagen deal. Take us inside the deal. When did you, you know, the Canada, Ontario and St. Thomas were going to be the big winners of this, uh, of this, uh, I guess, race to, to attract Volkswagen. 
and feel free to share details about what this deal is for our listeners that maybe aren't um, abreast with Ontario Canadian news. I think that could be really interesting for them. You mean everyone doesn't know? We started assembling some land to, to create a mega site with some support from other levels of government. And that started about two years ago as we sort of started acquiring some land. And over that time, we, we were working primarily with the province of Ontario and their economic development team to sort of bring companies in to take a look at what we had to, to offer, not just on land, but on labor force and proximity to other companies, the supply chain in communities like Woodstock, like where Lynn is, and, and really show the best that Canada has to offer as far as the, the battery sector could go. Uh, recognizing that Ontario has been a really a huge automotive player for a generation, right? This is, this is the heart of manufacturing in Canada. I know some of your Quebec listeners may argue, but we're, uh, we're happy to, to be neighbors and there's lots of support that goes both ways there. Um, the, the project itself is a, it's a massive one. I mean, Volkswagen through their subsidiary PowerCo is developing a, a 13 million square foot gigafactory here in St. Thomas that'll make batteries primarily for Volkswagen vehicles. Uh, the plant itself is, is just, I mean, it's hard for anyone to fathom. I, I took a quick look online to see, what it would equate to in, in Olympic stadiums uh, just for you guys in Montreal. And uh, it looks like it's about 16 times the size of Olympic stadium, but it's equates to about 225 NFL football fields, which is, is something that's never been seen in Canada before. So for our community and, and for what it means to us, it's just, it's just a massive investment. And, and today I was actually over at uh, Magna's largest plant here in town at about 1.3 million square feet talking to their employees and, and, and looking at their new line, it, it, traditionally they've always made frames, but now they're making battery trays. So we see lots of potential synergies with this plant and with our local existing ones. But on the, on the timeline for this one in particular, we, we go back about, uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, the ministry started talking to Volkswagen in Germany. Uh, we heard about it shortly after that, that there was potential. We certainly didn't know who the company was at the time, but uh, we could make our guesses. And... Throughout that time, we were we were meeting with the company on a number of occasions. We gave them tours of the city, tours of Ontario, tours of whatever they wanted. And uh, eventually, in, in February, we, we got a phone call that told us we were going to be the successful location. And we were able to announce it on March 13th. So since then, it's been go, go, go. And I feel like it's been that way for a year and a half now. So it came down to you and Tulsa, I believe, right? You guys were the two finalists? That's what we understand. Yeah, initially, my understanding is there were 90 communities actually in the in the running for this facility. And so uh, it got narrowed down to a few and, and we were fortunate to come out on top. Very exciting. And Len, you know, you're no stranger to big wins. Um, I think you touched on it briefly before, but in 2005, uh, you were part of the team that successfully recruited Toyota to, to Woodstock, Ontario. Do you have or have you seen any similarities between the Volkswagen deal to Toyota from, you know, when you kind of walked through uh, this path? Yeah, so so you're correct. Uh, we landed the, uh, the Toyota facility that builds the RAV4 for the North American market. Uh, in 2005, they opened in 2008. Uh, the facility is about 1.6 million square feet. Um, and uh, one of the things we love about uh, Toyota is every year they're always adding, you know, another 10,000 square feet for this, 10,000 square feet for paint, you know, whatever. So they're they're continually growing, and I'm sure Sean will see the 
the same sort of thing. Um, the one thing uh, that we certainly noticed with Toyota in our community is it attracted a number of suppliers. So I suspect Sean uh, will, will be successful in that regard as well. The one thing that's been nice is, I mean, Sean and I do a lot of business together because we have a, a marketing group called Southwestern Terra Marketing Alliance of which both Woodstock and, and uh, St. Thomas are, are partners. And so we do, we do a lot of trade shows. We do a lot of FDI programming. And the one thing that was pretty evident with Toyota was not all the uh, suppliers came to our area. They really spread around the area. So a lot of our SOMA communities, there's, uh, as I mentioned, there's six of them. Uh, each of the communities, I think, uh, benefited uh, certainly Stratford, which is about a half hour north of us. Uh, they have four or five Toyota-related suppliers. Um, there's uh, some in uh, Ingersoll as well. So it really does kind of spread around and, and, and helps the whole economy regionally. And of course, for employees, it's wonderful as well because they have a, a number of opportunities. And as I mentioned earlier, we're 401, 403. So it's very easy to commute to any of those communities. And uh, certainly for suppliers, it's easy to get product back and forth as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's these sorts of things come along once in a lifetime. Uh, certainly in our case with the Toyota facility, um, they do a lot of community giving for sure. Uh, so they contribute to, you know, hospital uh, campaigns, expansion campaigns, United Way. Uh, they also send their employees out in the community uh, to do community work. So in some cases, it's painting fences, uh, that sort of thing, but gives gives their employees an opportunity to give to the community and, and gets them out of, out of the facility, which I think helps develop the teamwork that they're really kind of looking for. So, you know, there, there's tremendous opportunity. The other thing that we experienced was once Toyota announced that they were coming here, uh, we had to beg, borrow, and steal to get on uh, site selectors list to have them look at our community. But once we were able to say that Toyota was here and they chose Woodstock, uh, we naturally uh, got on a lot of lists and people really wanted to talk to us to hear a story about, you know, why would, why would they choose Woodstock? And I'm sure in Sean's case, it'll be the same same sort of thing. It's it's such a massive investment that uh, uh, it certainly has put St. Thomas on the map. I mean, St. Thomas, not to uh, not to blow uh, Sean's horn, but they've, they've had a tremendous amount of investment from other companies as well. And But the, this Volkswagen facility will certainly uh, raise the bar for them. No doubt it will. Um, you know, Sean, how many, how many positions will Volkswagen create in town, how many jobs will it create? What type of jobs, and do you what opportunities and challenges will it create on the workforce side? Well, I mean, I think the workforce challenge is the same pretty much everywhere. But I, I have some some level of confidence. You know, when we when we see the traffic that leaves town every day to go work somewhere else in the region, uh, there's a huge available workforce that we could try to get to stay here. We're also going to start working on some pretty major attraction efforts to get people to to move to our area uh, to work not just at the Volkswagen plant, but at all of the regional facilities that are around here. Initially, they're, they're talking with numbers around 3,000 uh, jobs to start with. Uh, my guess is that it'll be higher than that, but I, I certainly can't speak for the company on that one. Uh, the types of jobs are interesting. It's, it's not a it's not like our other manufacturers. When I see pictures of what they anticipated looking like inside, it's it's very lab focused. There's a lot of people in white coats and uh, chemical type jobs, lots of chemist opportunities, engineering roles. Uh, obviously, there will be some general labor type stuff as well, but uh, there's some pretty high skilled manufacturing taking place at this facility. 
Very interesting. And Len, you know, you talked about some of the opportunities that comes, you know, from the visibility of a project of the scale. And I'm wondering, are there any challenges that come to mind when something is so public and so many reactions? Are there any tips with kind of dealing with that visibility that say some of these other great projects just don't have, they don't have the thousands sort of job creation that get the headlines, if you will? Yeah, I mean, when you land an investment of this size i mean i would say the vast majority of the community is is very happy very excited uh, of course it creates tons of opportunities as well and you know for me that's probably the biggest thrill i get out of my job is if if i go to a party somewhere and i run into somebody who's you know has you know her husband has just got a job at toyota and so now they they have the security they're looking at buying a house a family so it's it's all that stuff um, but the, the one thing you always run into a few naysayers, of course, with, with any mega project, uh, you get people who are concerned about traffic, you get people who are concerned about, uh, uh, and certainly in our case, uh, there was some concern about the impact on the housing market because certain employees at the, at the time, and certainly now are probably at the higher end of the industrial wage in our community. So there were those, those kinds of concerns. And then the other concern you get is from your existing employers that they're concerned that they're going to lose a lot of their employees. Um, and, you know, Toyota, from what I saw anyways, was was pretty good. And certainly when we talked to them during the process, they'd indicated that their, their plan was not to raid um, a number of companies. So they kind of pick and chose, I think, from companies and you know, they would not try to take large percentages uh, from certain companies. Um, and then the, the other thing uh, that we have uh, discovered, which is probably to the benefit of our, our wider region, is that not all the Toyota suppliers, tier one suppliers necessarily want to be in the same community. So it creates opportunities for other places. So some, some businesses want to be very close, of course, because just in time and that sort of thing. But uh, other uh some of the other companies wanted to be a little further afield. Their thoughts not being in, in the same city as, as Toyota, the big fish competing for labor. Um, you know, some of them wanted to have a little bit of distance, which again was for the region was fantastic because it spread uh, the number of plants around, around the area. Now, Len, you're 15 years ahead of Sean, I guess, in the recruitment process. Toyota's been in Woodstock now for almost 15 years. What advice would you give Sean as he onboards uh, Volkswagen Power Co. into St. Thomas? Well, I, I think Sean, uh, Sean's certainly very capable. Um, the things he talked about in terms of the FDI program, uh, looking, for, looking at the supply chain and that sort of thing. And I presume they probably set some land aside for um, other partners who may come to the area. That was probably one of the weaknesses in terms of Woodstock, that things happened uh, so fast that uh, it didn't give the community a lot of opportunity to go out and buy additional land. Um, but that certainly, if you have additional land options available for suppliers, um, it just creates the opportunity. So uh, that would be uh, my one suggestion. Uh, the other thing that I've found interesting over the years is when Toyota first came to Woodstock in 2005, we had a tremendous relationship with Toyota. We, uh, of course, we're dealing with the senior executives almost on a daily basis in terms of the process, getting them up and running, permitting, all that sort of thing. And over time, what we've seen is uh, a number of people have retired and our relationship has changed. 
so we do have a very strong relationship, but it seems to be with a smaller core uh, group of, of senior managers where before it seemed to be a much broader uh, type of situation. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing that's, that, that I find interesting personally is the, the Toyota suppliers and other Japanese companies in our community, because they're not all Toyota suppliers, they all have a very good handle on what each uh, company is doing, kind of the situation they're in, what Toyota is doing. Like if Toyota is looking at a model change, we quite often hear about that from some of the suppliers beforehand. So, you know, there's just tremendous opportunity. And, um, you know, Sean's like us, a smaller community. Uh, there's not a lot of staff. So you get pretty taxed in terms of the number of people uh, you're trying to uh, have a relationship with. And uh, uh, it, it does take a lot out of you for sure. That is a good point. So what, do you, what else do you guys think in terms of the ripple effect on, on southwestern Ontario and Ontario, maybe Canada as a whole, that the Volkswagen investment will have in the economy? What do you guys think? I can start if you want, Len. I, I think the, um, the province of Ontario in particular has been doing an amazing job. They, they basically said that they're going to be a player in the EV sector and they put their money where their mouth is. And likewise, the federal government has come on board and, and really supported a number of different EV companies certainly on the OEM side, which which is really going to drive that supply chain. Uh, it's a completely different supplier base than what we currently have for the internal combustion engine vehicles that are traditionally made here. And as a result, we're all going to see, in some ways, a bit of a, a revolution or you know a renaissance of industrial development in our communities from small to large. It doesn't, it doesn't matter the size of your, your community. You're going to see uh, some of those other businesses really having to pivot into something very different from what they're used to. So I think the the one advantage that that, that all of these plants have, have an effect on the, the rest of the area is that they're diversifying that manufacturing base. It's really a forced diversification rather than one by choice, though. And then, of course, there's the impact on the, the mining and the natural resource sector that, that will certainly benefit northern Ontario, northern Quebec, uh, and certainly other places of Canada. So as a whole, I, th I think this shift in the automotive sector in Ontario and, and across Canada is going to be huge for us. And I, I consider us very fortunate that we have great support at all levels to make sure this, this happens in a smooth and, and public way. I know sometimes people don't like the, the subsidies that get placed on some of these investments, but I think the reality is if we don't do it, then we fall behind and we never catch up. Absolutely. And Len, you, you kind of already touched on this. And, you know, in the biz, if you will, we talk about the low hanging fruit being what's in your back garden and, and working that business retention and expansion opportunities. Um, you know, the aftercare programs that go into nurturing these these deals and what can come from that. Do you have any best practices that maybe you could share to listeners where you've been able to pull further projects from these types of wins? And then maybe, Sean, you can kind of touch on that as well. That would yeah, so certainly in the Woodstock case, because we, we land in Toyota, we've, we have a significant number of Japanese-related companies here in our community. And I think the last time we kind of ran the numbers, it was about 50% of the manufacturing employees in our community are at Japanese-based companies. So as a result, uh, through our Soma group uh, that I mentioned earlier, we actually go to Japan typically every couple of years. Um, and the strategy there is you know, to let the, the embassy staff, uh, consulate staff who get investment inquiries, to let them know, obviously, that we're still open for business, that we're happy to help them, uh, that we have opportunities for land and that sort of thing. 
But I know, and I know the other SOMA communities do the same thing. Uh, we all take time to visit our existing companies. So it's that retention retention piece where we're basically saying, we're going to them saying, you know, we really appreciate your investment in our community. You know, we really love your company. We want you to think about us for follow-on investment. And then the other thing that happens is uh, some of the companies we deal with, it's not just auto parts they manufacture. So you're dealing with huge trading houses that have, you know, 20 different kind of manufacturing lines. So you're always kind of trying to push that envelope a little bit to say, hey, we know you do auto parts. We also know you do food processing. So if you are looking at some options in North America, you know, if you're happy with our community and we, we believe they are, then, you know, maybe you can consider us for food because we're always trying to diversify as well. Uh, one of the challenges we have as auto is we tend to attract more auto. Um, so, you know, then part of your strategy becomes trying to diversify. So that's that has worked tremendously well for us. Mitsui uh, is a huge Japanese company. They, they're involved in a number of, of different product lines, different products, different types of investments. And they actually have four investments here in our community. So uh, we take the time, as I say, every year to go and visit them and just uh, try to keep the, the communication lines open and just let them know that we're here to help them. We're here to help them be successful because when they're successful, it's good for good for all of us. It's good for the whole community. And it it's, it's interesting because I, you know, you always get challenged with, you know, the general public thinks it's a junket. And, uh, you know, when you're with, uh, when you're with senior executives, you're, you're on, like you're fully on, you don't have necessarily a lot of downtime. Uh, and trust me, sitting around waiting in eight airports and bus stations and train stations and that sort of thing is not particularly a fun part of job. It's a necessary part of the job, but it's, it gives you tremendous value. This year alone, we have uh, uh, three Japanese companies in our community uh, that are expanding. So our SOMA group is looking to go to Japan uh, late November, early December. And part of our plan already is to visit all three of those companies just again, just to thank them for their investment. So um, I know, yeah, as I say, I know publicly sometimes it's, it's not popular, but it's, it certainly pays significant dividends. There's always time for a little bit of karaoke in Japan though, right? There certainly is. <laughs> What's your go-to song when you, when you're singing karaoke in Japan? For me, it's the Gilligan's Island theme song. <laughs> ah, yes. What, what about you, Sean? I don't have a go-to song. We just sing everything. Um, yeah, no, I'm nothing in particular. <laughs> um, guys, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. You guys are real leaders in economic development in Canada. What amazing wins you both have now accomplished. Thank you for all you do for economic development in Canada. And thank you, most importantly, for your great friendship to Research FDI and ourselves. So thank you so much. Well, thanks Perfect. to you guys for your support, too, and helping us grow our international presence. I know we've, we've been working together for a long time, and we appreciate all of your support. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> I can't say much more than that. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world.